Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shluk. Shlisten, the podcast taking a pop at culture. Shluk, Shlisten. Shluk, Shlisten. Shluk, Shlisten. Shluk, Shlisten. Shluk. Shlisten. Shluk. Oh, very good and very exciting, Benjamin. We're lucky to even be here because our very own writers almost went on strike. But sure, look, we don't have time to make up writers who don't exist because we've a shitload of stuff to look at this week, including the new trailer for The Meg 2, The Trench. That's it. That's all. That's all there is. That's it. That's all. That's There's nothing else. There's nothing else on. <laughs> Everyone's on strike. <laughs> That's true. That's no word of a lie. I suppose. Ben, I suppose we could say, we could say that you have seen Mrs. Davis, and you've also seen Guardians of the Galaxy three one week late because you were busy. I was busy. I was busy, Michael. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. I what think that our fictional what? writers Thaddeus and Lionel are ungrateful sops, Michael. Ungrateful. Oh yeah. All this, all this nonsense, Michael, about fair pay and not being replaced by AI. How dare they? How, How dare they, Michael? Very dare they. We pulled them up by their fictional bootstraps. We gave them non-existent contracts. Mm. Our our unofficial, untangible terms are probably quite unfair. But how dare they, Michael? Bite the hand that feeds them. How very dare that we give them a little slap on the bottom. Yeah, every and Lionel asks for that, Michael. That's what he wants in his yeah, contract. I think that's harassment because I don't want to do it every week. But <laughs> yet he comes at me bottom bared and says, it's time for my little slap, please. And I say, oh, no. <laughs> and he says it in that exact voice. That's and it's very voice. disturbing. That's Lionel's real voice. Mm. That's li- <laughs> <It's> gross. <laughs> Benjamin, you haven't said sure listen and then your bit. Sure listen. You may have gotten a hint from that bizarre skit, ladies and gentlemen, that was written by AI. Um, We are Mm. taking a look at the 2023 writer's strike. What's going on with it? Why is it happening? Has it come out of the blue? Are robots responsible for it? A little bit. We're going to take a look at that um, over the course of the podcast today. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of things that our robots are undoubtedly responsible for. My midwife what did you crisis. think of 2017's The Meg? Uh, Michael, look, The Meg was an interesting experiment in B-movies and Chinese propaganda. Let's be honest. Great bunch of lads, the Chinese, though. Great bunch of lads. Won't hear a bad word said about them. They won't hear a bad word said they... about them. <laughs> no, they won't. They won't. They will swoop in and they will save your shark studying underwater sea base from any number of big giant sharks that have presumably been released by Americans. One of the best things about the trailer for the Meg to the Trench, Benjamin, is that it seems to have given up the ghost on being an action movie that was unintentionally funny and just has become an action comedy. Michael, my my brain struggled to comprehend what I was viewing originally. Were those land sharks that were running around at one point, or was it just dinosaurs? No, Benjamin, they were just just commoner garden dinosaurs. Ah. This was as if to say, Benjamin, the trailer was saying to you, hey, you, hey, you over there, non-Chinese person, do you like dinosaur movies? 
Sometimes. Well, I'll tell you what. There's only one thing more frightening than dinosaurs. Big giant sharks. Michael, Jason Statham's come out of retirement for this. <laughs> the actor Jason Statham? The actor Jason Statham's come out of retirement for this, Michael. He's back. He's I back wasn't aware he had retired. No, he hasn't, Michael. But I haven't seen him in much lately. <laughs> I haven't seen him in much. He's in Fast 10-year seatbelts. Michael, Michael, did you hear the news about Fast apropos of nothing? Apparently it's... What? What's that? Apparently it's going up to Fast 13. Yeah, they won't give up the ghosts at all. This was supposed to be the last one, but now this last one is going to be a trilogy. Yeah, they want to stretch it on out, Michael. What the fuck? Very much so. It's it's the last one in the sense that it's the start of the final trilogy. Ridiculous. Anyway, Ben. Ben, Sorry, go on. Yeah, go on, yeah. Listen. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Do you want to hear my biggest beef with this trailer? Beef? Yeah, go on. Actually, hold on. My biggest beef is probably the wrong word. My, do you want to hear my biggest sushi with this trailer, Ben? Go on. Because a sashimi issue. Exactly, Ben. Yeah. The song that's playing is everyone's favourite late 70s, early 80s rock ballad. Barracuda. It's not a ballad. Barracuda. It's a classic. It's a classic song, Ben. They just yeah. go, ooh, Barracuda. What, what's your issue, Michael? My issue with this is, Benjamin, barracudas aren't sharks. They're not at all. They're not even close. No. Not even close. They're members of the ray-finned bony fish, um, Ben. And that's not anything like sharks. So this is like having a movie about a lion and the soundtrack is... Those wild stallions. Like it doesn't it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yes, the dulcet tones of the Rolling Stones and wild horses couldn't pull me away. No, 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 no. It's about lions. Why are you doing this? Lions, lions, yeah, lions yeah. and lions and stallions. Different. <laughs> different Four legs, different but creatures different. altogether. <laughs> Four legs, ben. but different. Four legs, but different. And this is they're in the water and they've got a fuckload of teeth, but different. <laughs> I tell you my favourite uh, do you want to know my favourite line from this whole trailer the best line of this trailer is that's the biggest Meg we've ever seen yeah how many Megs have they seen, seen? Like is this a common thing now four I think it's four so the, 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 the biggest of four Megs there's there's a big Deep Blue Sea vibe off this Michael and Deep Blue Sea when I was a teenager was the pinnacle of aqua horror mm. arguably Deep Blue Sea is what gave me my irrational fear of sharks. No, no. No, no, no. Quite rational. Quite quite rational. Quite big and scary and rational. But I think the, it, I think it's the malicious, genetically engineered super genius of the sharks in Deep Blue Sea that bother me. But it, mm. it's it's very similar in the tone of the, the hunting in fucking packs. That's a terrible Statham impression. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't even realise that was no, a state that of impression. was bad. That was yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. At least Deep Blue Sea, though, Ben, had the the damned, cons- not consistency, it has the common sense not to spoil its jump scare kill in the trailer. Yeah, what's that about? Oh, I'm just going to have a little text on my phone and casually spout hubris. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, the bloody well sharks can't get us in bloody well here. Oh, I've been eaten. My own hubris is really the villain. Oh, no, I've been chomped upon. My youthful arrogance has hoisted me by my own petard. Mm. So mm. that's it, though, Ben. That's um, 
that's really the effect, the ongoing effect of how how weird the the pop culture, movie, cinema, TV, streaming world is at the moment. Because that is the only trailer that's come out this week. Michael, if it's not a sequel, they're not interested in Hollywood. They don't care. Mm. They don't care. Mm. There was there were a couple of trailers, but none of them really in our wheelhouse, Ben. Not really, Michael. Nothing that nothing that would grab us. Nothing that that we had any right to speak about. You know. Mm. But, Ah, very strange, Michael. I I enjoyed the one scene in The Meg, Michael, where Jason Statham seems to be holding off The Meg with his boot. You can see it in the thumbnail there. Yeah, that's probably a couple of hundred tons, that fish. Yeah, no, it's it's snapped all the bones in his legs, Michael, and now has him. Yeah. Now has him. But he's Statham, though, Ben. He's got very powerful legs. Yes, he He probably has. He can do a high kick. (laughs) He probably has some top-grade Chinese implants in his legs now as well. Because the Chinese, Michael. <laughs> grand bunch of lads. Grand yeah, bunch grand of lads. Won't <laughs> have lads. a bad word said about them. <laughs> Michael, speaking of things that won't have a bad word said about them. Uh, yes, go on. I don't know what we're supposed to cover now, Michael. I can't remember what you said came after the Meg 2. I think it was Mrs. Davis, man. <laughs> That's it. Me. That's all we have. We're lepping in. Straight into the reviews. Michael, a couple of weeks ago, we got a trailer for Betty Gilpin's new television series, Mrs. Davis. Yes. And it's all about Bet Michael... Bet T. Gilpin. Is that what you're calling her? Bet T. Gilpin. Okay, very good, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we got a trailer for her, Michael, and her new series, Mrs. Davis. And it's about it's about a nun, Michael, who's sent on a quest for the Holy Grail. A nun on the run, as it were. A nun on the run. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Mm. Well, Michael, there's a few What's things that I have discovered whilst watching Mrs. Davis. Um, number one, do you know who wrote this? Betty Gilpin herself. No, Damien Lindelof. Damien Lindelof from Him Off Lost. Him Off Lost and Him Off Watchmen on the HBOs. Oh, yeah, that was hit and miss, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Oh, I don't know. I didn't really like that whole what's Ozymandias in the Arctic thing with the with the clones. Yeah, that was a bit weird. Yeah. Clones are... A bit weird, cl- didn't really go anywhere. Clones are always... Clones... Michael, I have found lately in the trend of, of things that go nowhere, clones are top of the list. Clone subplots do fucking nothing. Just ask Spider-Man, Benjamin, the famous clone saga from the late 90s. No fucking good, Michael. Ben Riley. They've been made largely defunct, Michael, by the, the concept of quantum versus, where you've got parallel dimensions with other Spoodermans. Why not both? Why not both? Let's have some clone parallel clones. Yeah. It's yeah. just get really confusing. I think most quantum verse things now are very confusing. Yeah. You know? Well, I'm still holding out hope for a crossover between the universe of the Meg and Fast and Furious. I'm fairly certain all I want out of it, Michael, is Jason Statham's character in The Meg to team up with Jason Statham's character in Fast. And I want to see a buddy cop Jason Statham squared kind of situation. Yes, exactly. And Jason Statham character from The One, because he's already doing multiverses. I forgot about The One. No, we did a whole episode on it. Yeah, I know, but I block these out after we do them, Michael. <laughs> This is a form of therapy. You just get the thoughts out of your head and then you can forget about it. I'm like a really Benjamin, shitty... Benjamin, what, what's going on in Mrs. Davis? Focus up here. So anyway, Focus Michael, up. 
this show is way more mental than we thought it was going to be from the trailer. Oh. I... Oh. Yeah. I thought what we were going to get, Michael, was kind of a Good Place-esque parody of humanity's dependence on AI. Right. Is it? No. This is something much, much stranger, Michael. Now, we won't go into full go spoilers because I, I think it's it's probably worth watching this series. Is it? Is anyone watching it, though? I haven't heard any buzz about it whatsoever. So I've heard buzz around the weird reviewer community, like the niche reviewer community. And the the kind of consensus is it's destined to be a one-season classic that everyone tells you you should watch when they want to impress you in a bar. Like Firefly. Like Firefly, Michael. Um, like uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Oh, yes. Yes. Like... Oh, I can't oh, think of I'm another one. Oh, this struggle, Ben, of you trying to think of more of, of these. Like, like Utopia on Never Channel 4. Or oh, Michael, we'll have, to do a, we'll have to do an exhumed episode on Utopia, because Utopia is a bit of you. Oh, is Utopia. it? But I enjoy it. It's it's yeah yeah absolutely you'd you'd sink your old teeth in there quicker than the Meg sinks its teeth into Jason Statham's legs. Oh, very good, Benjamin. I was overseeing my parents the other day, and I said <laughs> something about my teeth, and my mother said to me, "This is what she said to me." She said, "You sure? How would they? I don't know what I was talking about. I think I was talking about getting a filling or something." Yeah. And my mother said to me, "This is what she said to me." She said, "How would they be able to drill into your teeth with that?" You've got so many teeth. Excuse me now a second. What do you mean? I've got a big head full of teeth, she said. And I've, it's given me a real complex, Ben. I told you about this the other day. Yeah, you did. It's, it's really... It's Terrifying really, complex. It's really stuck him for a loop, ladies and gentlemen. That was one yes. of my... <laughs> that, that was one of my biggest concerns when you asked me to do this podcast, Michael, because my my friends and family came to me and said, how will you compete with a man who has so many teeth? You, who famously doesn't have <laughs> enough teeth in your mouth. And I said, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, my biggest worry, in all honesty, Ben, was that you wouldn't hear me speaking through the microphone over the sound of the sheer amount of teeth I have jangling around in my head. Yes, the grinding and gnashing of teeth that inspired Ian Paisley's famous speech. <laughs> What are we talking about? Mrs. Davis, then. Focus. Michael, Mrs. Davis is beyond anything we could have possibly imagined. It's weird. It's out there. It's surreal. Dirk Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency is a good benchmark for this if you happen to see it. It's a little bit Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's a little bit Dirk Gently. It's, It's a little bit Sinister Utopia. So what we have in this, Michael, is... It's got all the classics, right? Number one, it's got a sentient AI. Number one. Number Yes. Number two, yep. it has plenty of Catholic secret societies. Oh yeah. Yeah. Number three, there's a there's a, a person of colour Jesus, which is sure to piss off white Americans, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, being not a white American. Being not a white American, I'm fine with it. So come here to me, Michael. What happens is Betty Gilpin's character is a nun. And she is one of the few people on the planet who has not embraced the AI. Okay. Mm. And the AI is called Mrs. Davis. And for some reason, the AI has taken this personally. So the first episode of this is repeated attempts by the AI to get in touch with Betty Gilpin's character. 
who is oh like when um when you slide into girls dms on the internet ben and when they don't answer you back then you get obsessed with them yeah and i, I go on the incel forums michael and i complain about how women won't give me the time of day you know <laughs> Because I'm a noted misogynist. <laughs> he does. He does. He does. Yeah, fuck. Um, well, I wouldn't have to do that in this universe, Michael, because the AI would just give me what I want. That's that's the thing. Oh, so right. it, the AI is quite insidious, Michael, because it promises utopia and everyone acts as if they're living in utopia. But it's just America in 2023. So this is a parallel America. Oh, it's not her. It's not the real world. It's not, no, I mean, it, it is. Like, it doesn't offer virtual reality, but it is kind of a hyper-reality. It's a bizarre mix of America. So, organised religion, Michael, is massively on the decline because of Mrs. Davis. So, the, the concept here is, in 2013, a brand new AI appears. Okay? It's, okay. It's, it's not claimed by Facebook. It's not claimed by Twitter. Nobody can claim this AI. And what it does is it swiftly takes over the world in a very calm way. And we do away with things like Facebook, like Instagram, like Twitter, because Mrs. Davis, the AI, becomes one singular kind of internet. Okay. And you don't... That's great. You don't have big tech anymore. You don't have Google. You just ask Mrs. Davis, who sits in your ear constantly as an earbud. Oh. Yeah. So one of the amazing kind of jumps for this show, and one of the things that really sets it apart from other A, Michael, and it's kind of a conceit that we've had since 2001 A Space Odyssey, is the cold, detached AI voice. Where it's like, I can't do that, Michael. I won't do that, Michael. And they have that really creepy kind of detached voice. In this, Mrs. Davis uses humans as surrogates. So she asks them to interpret for her. And so she will just dictate to them in the earpiece. And Betty Gilpin's character will have to interact with humans who look absolutely demented because they're just smiling and delighted that they can help the AI. Because the goal, Michael, is to help the AI so that you get wings. Okay. Oh, what's wings? Wings are like a, an NFT or a, a, an artificial reality filter, an AR filter. That, and it just gives you wings. And wings is high status. So it's like having lots of followers on Instagram. Does that make sense? Oh, it's like um, the 1990s sitcom Wings. Like, yeah, exactly. Starring fantastic actor whose name escapes me. Very good. So exactly like that, Michael. But what happens is the world basically bends to the whim of this AI and this woman wants nothing to do with it. The nun wants nothing to do with it. But she ends up being wrapped up in this thing. She makes a deal with the AI that if she finds the Holy Grail, she will, the AI will turn itself off. That's And this is the Holy Grail, the Jesus Holy Grail. Yeah, so the other bizarre thing about this, Michael, is that the, the character Betty Gilpin plays has a physical relationship with Jesus in this and oh, when I say physical I mean Barry White physical I mean Marvin oh. Gaye physical oh they're fucking they're fucking Michael with a capital oh, F very good with a capital F but how F. did she know Jesus oh so she met him in his mind so Jesus hangs out in a diner but as as the as the as the thing kind of goes along, Michael, she does seem to, in this hyper-reality, have a relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus is making her act like a double agent. Because Jesus doesn't like the AI. Because the AI drives down business. 
Do you get what I mean? Is Jesus a different AI, Ben? Is that the twist? Well, well, Michael, I'll never tell. I'll never tell. Okay. But it's a Do very... Do a big in- wink of, it that, of what I've just said is true. Um, <laughs> uh, Ladies so, and gentlemen, you'll never know if Ben just did a big comical wink or not, but I'll know. The mystery, and it'll the be a secret for us. Thing. Now, Michael, this has some of the best action sequences I've ever seen. Go on. Are people doing a flip? There is one of the best medieval sword fights you will ever witness, ever put to screen, in the first... 20 minutes of this show. It is a joy to watch. There is one of the most... Will I spoil the scene? I'll spoil one of the bits of the scene for you, Michael, because you have to hear this. Okay. Another nun in medieval Europe is run through by a sword. Oh, yeah. Okay. Dispatches the man who runs her through with the sword and then kamikazes herself with the point of the sword out of her chest towards another man and bear hugs him to death. Using oh, the sword good. that's lodged in her chest. It's phenomenal. It's a very enjoyable show. It's probably a bit too weird for its own good. Didn't The Witcher do that? Well, they did it better because I don't like The Witcher. Uh, okay. So that's that's all I'll say. But it's a very enjoyable show, Michael. It's fucking mental, but it's very well acted all over the shop in the best possible way. It's a It's a kind of a fun watch. Okay, maybe I'll give it a little watch. Yeah. The boyfriend character in it, Michael, whose name escapes me, Wyatt. Wyatt is great. Very enjoyable, kind of comedic relief, man-seeking redemption character. Very good. Huh. Yeah. I'm surprised, to be honest. What streaming service is this on, then? Uh, uh, well, you see, Michael, I had to fly to America to watch it. Oh, did you? Yeah, I had to get uh, several flights, Michael. But the good news is it all came out at once. So I just went over to America. I got a hotel room and I watched it over the course of an evening. You just went over the once. That's uh, that's good for the carbon footprint, Ben. Yeah, very affordable, Michael. Very affordable. Mm. It, it probably wasn't because I asked Kylie Jenner if I could use her jet. And for some reason she said yes. So it was a private and what did she jet. say? It was unfortunate. Oh. She was just like, really yeah, cool. Grant. Benjamin, while you were over in America, you also saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Let's keep it relatively spoiler free. <laughs> But did you like it at all? Did you like it there yeah, now, let's... Michael, what an arc! What an arc. Um, Michael, Go I on. have to say... Go on. I have to say, I'm done with Marvel, but not on a negative note from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I just really feel that this is the pinnacle, the peak. This You, you couldn't leave on a better note. They wrapped it up all into a nice little bow. I said this to you last week, remember? I said it. You did. You said it to me. And Michael, you were fucking spot on. I have yeah, never, great. in recent memory, Michael, hated a villain as much as I hated the High Evolutionary. All you have to do is have him kick a few puppies and bamo, best villain ever. What an absolute bastard. Real prick of a bloke. Real prick of a bloke. Now, Michael, my only my only bizarre criticism, and it's always the criticism of Marvel, because you've got to up the stakes every time. Why did Thanos never run into the High Evolutionary? I think the High Evolutionary was... Maybe he... I presume he did. But, you know, what, why would they run into each other? They didn't really have any anything in common. I, ju- I just feel when there's someone trying to... So here's what I'd look at it as, Michael... I just feel when there's someone trying to expand the universe through a perfect society, it might go against your utilitarian balance act. I don't know. 
Yeah, but he was he was only making one planet. He was he was building up to doing one planet. You know, he yeah. He's he's a bit of a lower stakes villain, really. Although he does spoilers, he does uh, cause a lot of destruction. It's it's on a planetary scale, not a universal scale. I I couldn't believe they pulled the trigger on that, Michael. I was very surprised. I was like, oh, mm, yeah. Oh, they went for it. Yeah, yeah. All oh, right. Oh yeah. Ooh. Very quickly. <laughs> Um, yeah, but he's you know he's dangerous on a planetary scale. He's not a, a universal yeah, or a cosmic villain. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not really interested in being one, is he? He doesn't really care. It's no, just his... which is uh, you know, it's a good thing. It's they made him a much, much more personal villain. Yeah, his small acts of terrible violence are all the more sickening. Yeah, he's gross. He's horrible. He's gross. Put he's him horrible. in a bin. Put him in the bin. They did. It's grand. Um, yeah, they did. They put him in a big space bin. Big space bin. So, so come here, Michael. This is, as you said so accurately last week, Michael. Everybody gets an arc. Yeah. Everybody gets, gets an arc. Redemption. Yeah. Everybody gets a chance. So, uh, ne- Michael, the redemption of a rogue. Star Lord gets the best fucking finish you could have hoped for. I go on. I like fucking Chris Pratt. After that movie, I liked Chris Pratt. You like Chris Pratt again? He's I don't, one of your favourites again. I don't like him again. I then quickly saw that he quoted a Bible verse to people who were criticising him about being a Christian, and I was like, oh, God. Um, in, in, in his defence, in his defence, I've read about this. In his defence, I think if you are a Christian, quoting a Bible verse is actually the best way to defend being a Christian. That is the basis of their beliefs. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You know? But it made what was he going to do? What was he going to do? Say, look, we all know there's no Jesus, but I am a Christian. Yeah, I got a bit sick in my mouth, though. So I was just like, OK, well, that's that that didn't last long. But Michael, Star-Lord gets two big thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Two yeah. big thumbs right up the bum, the big giant bum in space. Yes, great stuff, Michael. Can't believe James Gunn got away with a giant anus in space either. A space anus. He did, space though, didn't he? He did, yeah. No, he got away with it. it just, he got away with it. Michael. An enormous space rectum. That's that's one of the biggest uh, surprises for me. How did this movie get a 12A rating? Yeah, it's just about skin of the teeth stuff, isn't it? Or skin of the bum stuff, I suppose. Well, they do skin a lot of teeth, by the looks of things, Michael. It's uh, fucking intense, grim stuff, Michael. Yeah, yeah, grim stuff, violent stuff. There's a little bit of swearing. There's, there's a big old fuck in the middle of it for no reason. <laughs> for no yes, reason. Yes, for one reason, Benjamin, it was... One big reason. It was James Gunn's last Marvel movie. Yeah, so he was sticking a couple of fucks on in there. So, yeah, I mean, Michael, absolutely phenomenal. Um, so much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, really surpassed yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one and three and then two in, in terms of yes. sheer enjoyment. Uh, I actually didn't find Rocket Raccoon at all irritating like I normally do. Um he was very enjoyable. I enjoyed that Groot didn't come back as the original Groot we got. Groot has changed into something else. Very different character design. Different Groot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a different He's a different fella. He's a different fella. Um, and that's yeah, very interesting. Yeah, different fella altogether. Yeah, different fella altogether. So that was very good. And then I think uh, Nebula got a great little arc. I really enjoyed that. One of the saddest lines in the film, Michael. That's crueler than what Thanos did to me. Oh. Yeah, I don't think it was, though. Oh, it wasn't, no. It wasn't. But I no. I think, you know, for effect, very effective line. Uh, yeah. I Nathan Fillion, great. Great. 
Oh, you love Nathan Fillion, Ben. You love putting. You love when they put Nathan Fillion in things. Uh, put Nathan Fillion in it, Michael, and I will come. <laughs> um, not, not the way you think, know. Michael. Don't be disgusted. Uh, but come here to me. Everybody got their arc. Uh, the characters all got a bit of a thing. And what a way to what a way to end it, Michael. Spoilers again, ladies and gentlemen. So if you don't want to hear that, just click on the timestamp down below and, and move on. But um, everybody, what a what a unique ending for a Marvel movie. What a go on. What a unique and, and different ending where everybody gets to go their own separate ways, but it feels earned as opposed to a weird way to end somebody's contract with the MCU. Um, where are you going Black Widow well I'm going off now to do a separate adventure or whatever yeah because that's what everybody wanted Um, but yeah so it was it was pretty interesting to see I I think the the Gamora Star-Lord resolution is amazing what a what a great way to show growth everybody changes you can't hold on to something forever can't do it you know great stuff Great stuff all round. And then uh, Adam Warlock was great crack. Wasn't he a big dunce? He's a big dunce. I'd watch him in a I'd watch him in a hundred movies, Michael. He was great. Yeah, yeah, he was fantastic. He was what very a big dunce. <laughs> Underutilized, I felt, but a big dunce. In the extreme. In the extreme. I feel like Marvel was like, no, no, you set it up, James, so you have to use him. And James Gunn was yeah. like, oh. And he was like, oh, I forgot I did that, didn't I? Oh yeah, I did a big, I did a big setup. Yeah, I did a big setup. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I wasn't planning on the next one being about Adam Warlock, and they're like, mm, "Sorry, though, it is." That's the only. That's the only one that I was like, "Why does?" So massive spoilers here, ladies and gentlemen. But why does why does Adam Warlock save Star Lord? I think that was gas. I was like, "Oh no, Star Lord used he to learns to be sound, Ben." Yeah, but Star Lord used to have a helmet he used in space. It was fine. The whole thing. Yeah, he forgot the he just, helmet. He forgot ben. the helmet with his brand new fancy suit. You, yeah. He forgot the helmet, and and that and was his that. rocket boots, his helmet and rocket boots, which were the main point of the design of the character. He forgot both of them, but luckily, at exactly the same time that he forgot them, Adam Warlock had learned how to be sound. Learned how to be sound, and at the end of the day, that that is the that is the kind of morale or moral of of all of the Guardians of the Galaxy, Michael. Don't be a cunt. Be sound. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going with the sea bombs, are we? Oh, great stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of being a cunt. Um, <laughs> Jesus. The old, uh, the old producers of movies aren't the best, are they? Oh, they're not having a good time, Michael. Christ, what a pack of pricks. <laughs> what a pack of yeah, pricks. No use at all. Uh now, what are we talking about? So, Michael, uh, on the 2nd of May, this very year, the Writers Guild of America went on strike. And there again? were... Again? Again. So, we, we've had this before, Michael, with with horrific ramifications for the pop culture landscape, Michael. <laughs> okay, uh, go on. Yeah, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But, so, the the Writers Guild of America went on strike, Michael, and it's it's now entered its its second week. We're we're well and truly in now to this, and there's approximately fifteen thousand screenwriters for both television and movies, and um, that are have been on strike oh, since good. May second. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, mm. and I this, didn't know there were that many. I didn't know that either, Michael. But apparently, screenwriting apparently it's not a thriving industry because that's the whole reason we have a strike. But it is a big industry. 
It is huge a big industry. industry. Yeah, huge industry, Michael. So this, I, I think you would be forgiven, Michael, for thinking that this kind of came out of the blue. Um, because... Do go on. All of a sudden, all I heard was, oh, there's going to be another writer's strike. And then we were in the writer's strike. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. Um, and Michael, as you know, we here at the podcast are committed communists. Um, you know, Comrade Colopy. Comrade Colopy. So we, we fully support the writer's strike. Up, up the lads, as, as you'd say, down this neck of the woods, Michael. Up the lads. And yeah, so... This came six weeks after negotiations between studios and writers failed to produce a new contract. So the the Writers Guild of America, Michael, very much like the Directors Guild and the Screenwriters Guild of America, they all form kind of a union and you have to be a union director, actor, whatever you want um, to take part in Hollywood because obviously when the shit hits the fan in negotiations, what you want to be part of is the union that can go, I oh, know all 15,000 of you, put down your pens, take it fucking easy and mm. move on from there, right? So that's... Let's strong arm those noble capitalists into paying us more of their profits and therefore damage the entire economy because... If the movie th- producers do well, then the per- writers will do well. But that's not what these greedy writers understand. <laughs> they just want to be part of a group of strong-arming thugs yes. who are trying to take the risk, the risk of the investment that's made by the producers, Ben. That's why they get all the money, because they take all the risk. Yeah. But no, not when these bullies are involved. No, these these damn demons, Michael, that just come out to... These vampires of entertainment, Michael, that come to take away the opiate of the masses in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you came from a long line of union busters, Michael, but there you go. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's what they call me. They call me Mick Union Buster. I can't think of anything clever. Mick Union Buster Leonard. <laughs> that's, that's all we've got. If we had writers, that probably would have been a funnier joke, yeah. but they're on strike. It would have been a better joke, Benjamin. I would have maybe su- suggested that I worked for the Brits. Yeah, yeah. That would have been a good angle to take here as a Fenian kind of twist. That would have been good. But Michael... Yeah, a little Fenian twist. Go on. This really does take away the opiate of the masses. Like, this really does take away your entertainment structure. So, just not really in our wheelhouse, Michael, but a huge part of the American entertainment complex is the late night show. It's a, oh, yeah. a massive format. So all those shows are gone almost immediately from the 2nd of May because they depend heavily on writers to write all their jokes because Jimmy Fallon isn't actually funny, Michael. Um, no, not even when people write his jokes. Ben, yeah. can I just cut across you there and say good? Good. Yeah. This sounds no, like a good thing. Not, not quite Brilliant. the loss we thought it was. Michael. This is great. But these are shows where these are written on the day that they're produced. Yeah. They're not all going to be winners, Michael, so, are they? Exactly. But also, you fucking need to have a team of writers in that room. And a big one. Writing furiously. Yeah, and a big one. Because you, you need a lot of monkeys with a lot of typewriters to keep up with daily demand. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. To get James Corden to do uh, karaoke or whatever. He's gone now, thankfully. He's, he's decided to leave it because he wants to spend time with his family. Much to the chagrin of his family, as far as I'm given to understand. 
<laughs> Luckily, that joke was written pre the writers. <laughs> Ben's been saving it up for a few weeks. I have. Um, so the ones that were hit, Michael, is The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Late Night with Seth Myers, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, and Real Time with Bill Maher. Which is the biggest loss of all. Oh, Ben, I do not care. I cared less every single one of those you said. Well, Michael, the thing that'll really break your heart is Saturday Night Live has been forced to go into repeats. So it's now airing repeats on a Saturday night. Oh. Oh. Saturday Night. That's just called Saturday Night now. It's not called Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's just called Saturday Night. I've never seen an episode of Saturday Night Live. And you shouldn't. It's awful. It's truly, I do not understand it as a concept or why it's a cultural institution in the States. Although if you look at people from the States, I guess it makes more sense. But yeah, anyway. Oh. Michael, <laughs> I gave him a little swing there, Took Michael. Down a notch there. Yeah, I certainly did. We've taken a shot at the at the Yanks and the Brits today. This oh, is great Michael, stuff. we'll take them all down writers. and support our comrades in the United States, all of whom are Irish screenwriters, I assume. <laughs> uh, so, come here to me, Michael. What is far more in our wheelhouse and far more suitable for our wants and needs is that we have lost production on Stranger Things. Well, no. We, uh, we have lost production on Hacks, which is a show I haven't watched. We've lost production on okay. Yellow Jackets, Cobra Kai, okay. The Last of Us yeah, Season kind of 2. Right. Oh. Yeah, that's not great. The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, haven't yeah. seen it. Severance, which is a loss, I'll be honest. Oh, yeah, Severance. Yeah, that's gone. And Abbott Elementary. Abbott Elementary, Michael. Benjamin. Go on. No, go on. I'm just going to say it's a great show. It's not really in our wheelhouse, but Abbott oh, Elementary is great. You haven't got a Daredevil on there. Daredevil has also um, shut down production. Oh, no, not Daredevil. Daredevil Born Again, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's based on the classic Frank Miller comic of the same name. Uh, yes, and the worrying thing about this, Ben, is if 2007 has taught us anything, mm. and, you know, it hasn't, but if it had, <laughs> it had taught us that when shows are interrupted, like not pre or post coitus, coitus interruptus, Ben, sometimes the end product suffers. Massively. Yeah. And I mean, the Disney Plus shows haven't been particularly well written anyway. So, ugh. They need a win, Michael. Ugh. They need a win. They, they desperately need a win. And this is, could be a massive spanner in the works. Uh, I tell you what, it won't be a Blade in the works, Michael, because that's also been ceased across the way. Marvel's Blade. Marvel's Blade seems to have been going through production problems the whole time as well. This is a very convenient writer's strike for Marvel's Blade, I would imagine. Mm. Mm. Oh, Ben, this is worrying. This is very worrying. Of course, the other other massive thing that can really affect... This the 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 end quality of a product, Michael, is that there was a mad rush when negotiations turned sour to wrap up projects, so that they could exactly yeah, Benjamin, yeah, so that they could then be said, you know, to not be breaking the strike by finishing this movie. One of those examples, Michael, is uh, Hellboy. We're getting a new Hellboy movie. Um, oh, nobody wants that. And that wrapped, Michael. Um, so there's, a, there's quite a few things that have claimed wrapped just before the 2nd of May. And Michael, that doesn't bode well for quality. No, let me tell you a tale, Ben. Go on, tell me more. Let me tell you Let me tell you a tale of one of the worst, most incoherent, messy abominations of a movie ever made. Go on, tell me a tale. 
Now you're thinking that could be anything, and truly it could, because we cover some <laughs> tripe on this on this podcast. It's a lot of shit. But Benjamin, one of the most egregiously, insultingly, awfully air quotes inverted commas written movies of all time <laughs> was a direct result of this happening thirteen years ago. Go on. And it was two thousand and nine's Transformers two, The Revenge of the Fallen. You better watch out the Fallen is back. Return of the Back to the Fallen. Oh, yeah. He's back. Oh, yeah. Benjamin, have you seen 2007, 2009's Revenge of the Fallen? Is this the one where Jack Rayner defends his uh, statutory rape of a young lady using a business card that he carries around in his wallet? No, actually. that Funnily enough, that wasn't the product of a writer's strike. And we'd just like to point <laughs> out that it's not Jack Rayner. It's not the actor Jack Rayner. It's, no, yeah. it's a character played by Jack It's a character played by Jack Rayner who literally carries around a piece of state legislation justifying his grooming of a young woman. It's very strange. Yes, the Romeo and Juliet clause. But no, it's not that, Benjamin. It's 2007's Revenge of the Fallen. You might remember Revenge of the Fallen by being, from being an absolute incoherent mess of racist characters. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Transformers who are racist stereotypes. Characters dying and coming back multiple times on and off screen. Yeah. Um, Shia LaBeouf's hand switching between injured and not injured multiple times. Shia LaBeouf turning out to be the Jesus of Transformers. Um, John Turturro saying, shoot it in the balls. When oh, he's I talking remember about a that. That be- was awful. And it had two wrecking yes. balls as testicles. Exactly, Ben. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was Los bad. Los huevos rancheros. Yeah. And what you've just described is exactly why that movie was so bad. Because it was written in 2007. And Michael Bay allegedly took the screenwriters and sequestered them in a hotel. Oh, no. 24-7 to get it done before the writer's strike started. That's bizarre. And they gave him... Yeah, and they gave him something like a 60-page treatment, which then not a screenwriter, Michael Bay, added to on the fly by adding action sequences, jokes, and humour. So we we can actually blame Michael Bay for most of that then. Well, the other thing was Michael Bay was also worried that the Screenwriters Guild strike of 2007 was going to roll over into a director's guild strike of 2009. Mm. So he was also trying to get it made before he had to go on strike. I know. I have to get... Well, you know, it was his magnum opus at the time, Michael, and the world would have been worse off had we not seen Michael Bay's third Transformers film. Second, I think. Oh, it was only the second. I mean, the real shame... The real, real, true shame of Transformers' Revenge of the Fallen being such an incoherent mess was that it was a massive success and it made billions of dollars and it taught Hollywood, maybe we don't need writers. Yes, spectacle. Maybe maybe films don't need to be written before we make them. Maybe we can just start making them and then make it up as we go along. And the second lesson from that was sequels work very well, don't they? Yeah, because what you can do is you can take all of the stuff that you didn't think was good enough for the first one and just film it now without a script. Yeah, it works fine. It's a good move. 
worked fine. Massive success. Worst film in the Transformers series, which is saying something. But absolutely, <laughs> what is going to happen with these movies where writers are being forced to finish writing something before they're allowed to go on strike? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that strike was imminent, as I said, after six weeks of negotiation, Michael. But I would imagine that people were sequestered in hotel rooms and just told, get to it. Go on. Go on. Finish that Up and down the nation, but mostly in Hollywood. Ben, what are they striking about? Yeah, so there's a few... um, There's a few things. The Writers Guild of America, Michael, cites a 23% decline in pay for writers and producers over the last decade when adjusting for inflation. Now, that's no different to anywhere... When adjusting for inflation? Yeah. When adjusting for inflation, Ben? We're, We're all underpaid when adjusting for inflation. Yeah, but I think the Writers Guild of America has a nice big union, so they're like, oh, we don't actually have to take that. Oh, cool. Oh, we're not (laughs) going to take it standing down. Um, And that's fine. Um, So there are also, the nature of Hollywood in general is kind of shifting. Michael, streaming has ramped up the the amount of productions ongoing. Um, It's ramped up the way contracts are done with streamers. So when you become a writer, you don't sign up to a project. You sign up to a contract of time with a streaming service. Um, oh. So you can be moved from project to project should Netflix deem that necessary for their production schedule. Um, and that's naturally, Michael, led to an increase in stress and workload and also probably a decrease in quality, if we were to be perfectly honest, Michael. Um, so the mm. the Writers Guild of America, or the WGA, proposed a deal uh, where writers on popular streaming shows would be compensated accordingly, uh, but that was rejected by the Alliance of the Motion Picture and Television Producers, or AMPTIP, Michael. Uh, AMPTIP. Benjamin, that's because they're the ones putting the risk in. They're the brave capitalists striding forth and raising all of society in their wake. Yes, Michael. They're the ones that suck us dry, like vampires. Uh, so, come here to me. One of the interesting takes that I saw, Michael, what is, is um, th- this frustration is coming from a, f- a few different places, Michael. But the one that's really kind of acted as a spur for this or the, the catalyst for, for all this frustration is AI. Um, because you know for a fact, Michael, that the day... A producer heard the words, oh, a computer will do it for us. They went, oh, fucking yes. This is what we've been waiting for. Get rid of the livestock. We can get rid of them now. Um, Yes. But if that was Harvey Weinstein you were doing, he would say, keep the young women writers, though. (laughs) Can they do that? Can ChatGPT do that? Um, (laughs) We've we've unfortunately made um, George Hook (laughs) into... Uh, Harvey Weinstein although judging from a few of the settlements that George Hook has been in probably very close um, I don't know who that is ben. George Hook is uh, ah, it doesn't matter it's, there there are some people out there nodding going yeah he's a dirty bastard um, so that's all we need oh, so okay. AI technologies like ChatGPT Michael have shown a capability to generate narratives um, and they do so by imitating content up until 2021 because uh, the ChatGPT database Limits itself to 2021. Ben. Yeah. That's how Hollywood writes things. That's how Hollywood writes things. So, <laughs> this is where it gets interesting. I think there's there's no argument to be made for art here, Michael. Um, there is only an argument to be made for ethics. 
I don't think that you can claim that The Kissing Booth 3, starring Noah Centineo, is going to go down in history as one of the great cinematic experiences. Okay, but art is art, no matter who. Ah! Not all art has to be worthy. No, I'm not. That's true. It doesn't have to be worthy. But you can't make the argument that humans do it better for certain things because ChatGPT can just go, okay, feed me the template you would like, feed me sample dialogue, and I will do my best to replicate Mm. that. And then you can have one or two writers go over it and say, oh, well, this is a bit janky here or whatever. And to be honest, at the speed that we're getting generative capabilities, especially with language models, Michael, we're probably not going to need that review in the future. Yeah. Hey, ChatGPT, write season three of Marvel's The Runaways and make everyone 15% sassier. And you probably would have gotten that, Michael, and it probably might have been better, um, given given what <laughs> we actually got. might have been. <laughs> so you can actually, there is a setting on ChatGPT, Michael, called Sass. And you can just up the little meter to, to get what you want. But, Michael, today, mm. um, ChatGPT has announced that it now has access to the internet. And it can also use plugins uh, that are specifically designed oh, for dialogue writing or for reviewing or for editing. So we are quickly approaching, Michael, the death of the human artist. Um, and what's... Yeah. What's kind of ironic about that, Michael, is that you still haven't noticed that Ben replaced himself with me about four months ago. I'm just an AI-generated video um, that responds to you in real time. Yeah, yeah, I did notice, but to be honest, you stopped showing up late, so I was kind of happy enough. Yeah, it's true. I do turn up on time, mainly because I have no option, Michael. I do occasionally start on a delay protocol so that you don't get too suspicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not great, though. It's a bit it's a bit obvious. But it'll probably get better as time goes on. Fingers crossed. Uh, so, Michael, the, anyway, there were massive fears that writers could be displaced by this. They brought these concerns to AmpTip. Uh, and AmpTip is refusing, Michael, to agree to any kind of guarantee of labour. Uh, so it does come down to an ethical That's because, issue. Ben. That's because they are the ones who are making the noble sacrifice of investing the capital. Yes, Michael. So it's it's quite interesting. It's Ampetip who has the most to lose. <laughs> that is the noble foundation of capitalism, Ben. Yeah. Those billionaires could lose a very small fraction of their net worth, Ben, and you need to think about how much that is. So one of the things that I find most entertaining about this, Michael, or maybe most poignant about this is when we were promised AI in the 1960s, we were always promised that AI would take over menial labor. And that humans would kind of find their way to leisure and art and creation. But judging from the way things are going, it's the exact opposite, Michael. We're going to be left doing the fucking drudge work and we're going to get ChatGPT to handle the art. You know? Ben. Yeah. Hold on a second, though. I think you've actually contradicted yourself there by accident. I think what you're really saying is 90% of the media we're producing is drudge work. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's probably true as well. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, anything new and startling and original isn't going to come from ChatGPT. No, it isn't. Chat, if ChatGTP can write your show for you, then 
it's probably not really worth writing anyway. But from an artistic point of view, but people are still going to watch it because people watch 17 seasons of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So I, I think one of the most entertaining things about that, Michael, is Mark Guggenheim, who is the co-creator of Arrow, DC's Legends of Tomorrow and The Flash, has criticised this. And he said, oh, well, you know, and I, I just thought to myself when I read this, I was like, well, if anyone's job is under threat, it's probably Arrow and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Like those, those shows are not anything new or original. You feed them a comic book canon and say, right, make that into a TV show for me. And ChatGPT will go, yeah, Grant. <laughs> Grant. Yeah. And then you say, oh, ChatGPT, that looks expensive. Could you knock the budget down about 50%? And ChatGPT will go, yeah, Grant, yeah, no worries. We'll just get non-union actors. There'll be no pushback. There'll be no, what about my vision? Which yeah, is yeah. non-union actors uh, and call it yeah. Power Arrow and Power Legends of Tomorrow. The whole thing. Grant. I could write uh, Legends of Tomorrow. This is Grant. I, yeah, I think we both could and probably arguably do a decent enough job. Um, but anyway, Michael, we're not here to pitch our own wares. Um, so, I mean, all of these things are sort of legitimate concerns, Michael. And it really comes down to ethics. What writers are asking for is fair wages for an entire industry that, quite frankly, Michael, produces an astounding amount of capital. Um, So one of the interesting things that I saw and one critic pointed out that when we're looking at the, the balance of necessary human input, studio executives are the ones that could be easily replaced by AI as opposed to the writers. Because what studio executives do is crunch numbers and decide, oh, well, that property did well, so a sequel will probably do better. And as we've rightly pointed out on this podcast before, Michael, we're in the age of the sequel where it's a safe bet as opposed to a kind of out of left field bet that we go with for most movies. You're have the cheek to say ChatGPT could replace executives, Ben. But then, (laughs) who's going to snort all the cocaine? Who's going to snort the mountains and mountains of cocaine? There's an entire industry, Michael, that would perish. Perish if we got rid of the sex. (laughs) For God's sake, Ben, think of the drugs people. Think of them. Will somebody please think of the drug dealers? Um, So... I suppose Michael, the actors would still be on the cocaine. The, ah, the actors would still hoof it up them. Um, but we're not we're not a million miles off replacing them either, Michael. We're only 15 years away from a complete digital oh, replica. Um, and then Great. Al Pacino's movie, Cynthia, will be a shocking reality. Um, there's, mm. a, there's a deep cut for you, ladies and gentlemen. You should... Uh, deep Al Pacino cut. Yeah, a deep Al Pacino cut. Hoo-ah! I need an actress. I need an actress, but I don't need her to be real. Cynthia, come to me. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Al Pacino is a movie producer that realizes he can make a movie with a digital replica. And people love her. Mm. So we're only we're only 15 years away from that. And I'm being conservative, you know. Um, if even, Ben. If even. And I, I think probably in, in a lot of cases, Michael, what we're seeing is, you know, front of house talent the actors, a lot of them are coming out in support of that. We've had Winona Ryder, Drew Barrymore, uh, Jimmy Fallon, Bob Odenkirk, George R. R. Martin. They're all kind of coming forward because artists kind of recognise that collectively ChatGPT does represent a threat to what they do. 
Mm, all of these multi-millionaires whose money depends on their popularity have weighed in behind a populist cause. That's surprising, isn't it? It's shocking. Shocking, Michael. We've we've just seen an example of this, though, Michael, in Ireland. The Irish Times um, published a massive apology this morning because they published an article over the weekend um, called um, Women in Ireland's Obsession with Fake Tan is Problematic. And it was written by uh, a Colombian immigrant to Ireland. And uh, it turns out it was all fake. Um, the person who submitted the article generated it with ChatGPT. And they created a fake person using Midjourney. And they created a fake series of accounts to back this woman up. Um, and so the Irish Times... Oh, is that is that true? Yeah, the Irish Times this morning had to publish an apology. Because they were taken really, in by... did they? I thought there was... Uh, I, I was on holiday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, true. this is a real thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I've been on holiday over the weekend, so I only caught a few little glimpses of this. This is mental. That is incredible. This is mental. The, the Irish Times, ladies and gentlemen, for, for non-Irish listeners, would be probably the last bastion of journalism in Ireland. And a lot of people would still cite it as... A reliable source, but this is a massive blow to that. Amazing stuff. Um, and we're seeing it across the board, Michael, because we, we saw with BuzzFeed as well. Uh, BuzzFeed is in a, a shareholders meeting, said the part you're not supposed to say out loud, um, where they said that the quizzes that are generated by AI get 40% more retention and click-through than the ones written by their staff. And... I mean, it's no, again, it's not an argument of art because BuzzFeed quizzes and listicles and all of that kind of thing, they're already drudgery, but it replaces the human labor and it takes out human jobs. That's the issue. Yeah, but if, if, if an AI can do your job, then what were you doing it for? I mean, I get that, Michael. It's a good argument, but it's still livelihood. Do you know what I mean? People have dedicated their time and their effort to things. And some people even get paid when they make weekly content for an hour or more. You know, some people actually make money out of their <laughs> endeavors to entertain. <laughs> Very good. Hey, ChatGPT, would you make a podcast where two slightly misinformed people <laughs> offer boilerplate opinions? Ben! Yeah. One of, one of the biggest uh, kind of knocks of this in 2007 was it disrupted so many shows' potential. Ruined it. Ruined it, Ben. Perhaps the biggest hit of 2007 was going to be the TV show Heroes. Oh, we could be heroes, Michael. Did you see it or watch it, Ben? Or no, were I you did. still in your swaddling clothes in 2007? I was but a babe, Michael. You were but a little baby, Benjamin. You were probably a teenage boy and you were too busy having a big wank. So Heroes in 2007 was one of the most popular new shows. Very exciting, Ben. Before the Uh modern research... (laughs) I got him, ladies and gentlemen. He's very upset by that comment. Um, It was uh, before the resurgence of superheroes as the be-all and end-all of media. So it was like, wow, a TV show about superheroes. And season one was great, Ben. It was absolutely fantastic mm. for the time. And season two was hyped up to be 
all of the threads from season one are going to come together. This virus affecting superheroes and everybody's personal choices and implications. And then, oh shit, the writers are on strike and no one's going to write it. Oh shit, how about we just do half of the episodes? Like, No, we won't have time. Give me seven. Just give me seven boilerplate episodes. <laughs> give me a tight season seven. Two. Yeah. And, and they went, all right, we'll probably get seven done before we have to stop writing legally. And Heroes was really the show that suffered most and never got its momentum back from the 2007 writer's strike. No. Lots and lots of other shows suffered. Um, lost, famously. Lost an ep- lost seven or eight episodes to the writer's strike. One of your favourites from that era Chuck. Oh, Chuck. How I miss thee. He's got a computer in his brain, Ben. Um, that was uh, that lost a half a season to the writer's strike. No all good. of these shows that could have become all-time classics lost momentum and lost direction by being interrupted mid-coitus by the writer's strike in 2007. And that is likely, I think, to happen again. Yeah, look, we may never get a decent blade and Charlie Cox's return is about to be cocked up, so to speak. Um, Very good. I can't see um, Last of Us. Last of Us is going to suffer from this too. This is going to be yeah. a big hit on Last of Us. It's going to be a big blow to Severance Season 2. Yeah, I mean... A lot of shows are really going to suffer. And it, it's funny because I do think when it comes to people's entertainment because we're so dependent on it now Michael and you know we need our shows Michael we need our successions we need we need our fix Michael I think mm. demonizing the writers is going to be a lot easier as a result of our dependency on media where you can just be like well they're the ones causing the issue that's why you can't get your favorite shows but at the same time Michael they're the whole reason you get your favorite shows like the writers the no, writers not of- Benjamin get out of here it is the noble not? capitalists, Ben. The noble billionaire investors. That's the reason we get our shows. We wouldn't have any <laughs> of these shows if it wasn't for Disney. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Pumping that money into the economy. Who, <laughs> who do you think is in the right here? Is it the noble capitalists that stake their yep. own capital? Or is it the lowly, scummy writers? (laughs) Is it the lowly, scummy writers? Uh, Which one is it, Michael? You can can find us and tell us in a few different places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.seomrabeug.com S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com That was too many W's, Benjamin, because we don't have the writers this week to write it out for you. (laughs) Was, yeah. You're not going to do your bit? I was listening, though. Oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, the writers, Ben. The writers didn't tell me to say it. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on Instagram at your Luxury Listen podcast. Means your Luxury Listen in English. It does, yeah. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we keep forgetting to ask you, but if you could please hop up wherever you listen to this podcast and give us a review, we would be eternally grateful. It would be our most beloved thing. Quickly, before the AI does it for you, seize your right to human input and give us a review. Yeah. Be like the noble capitalist and risk your own investment in clicking a five-star review on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, the safest place to hide from the AI that will eventually scour us from the globe is up on the Discord. Is it? 
Ah, there's, there's, there's loads of AI features that have just been launched in the Discord, so that's over as well. Uh, look, it's all over, ladies but and still, gentlemen. But still, hop up uh, on it anyway. Next week, I hope to chloroform Michael and replace him with my own ChatGPT model. And it'll just be two ChatGPT lads while we go have some daiquiris. <laughs> <laughs> das Vidania. Bye.